Thanksgiving. If you got a chance to listen to Brandon's World yesterday, I broke down the three Thanksgiving matchups, which I mean, these three games, this may have been the worst way of Thanksgiving football of all time after what happened yesterday. We will get to it. Plus, also today, I'll break down the rest of the Week 12 NFL action as well as I'll give my best bets out of the games remaining. For the weekend, of course, we have a Black Friday game today between the Miami Dolphins and Tim Boyle. Whoop-de-doo on the New York Jets. And then, of course, if you are a professional wrestling fan, Survivor Series War Games takes place tomorrow in Chicago. A huge Friday Night Smackdown tonight. If you are listening on video version, that will, of course, be in another clip that will probably already be up because I pre-recorded that uh, on Wednesday, before I got a chance, obviously, to record this on Friday because I had to wait for all the Thanksgiving games to commence. With that being said, again, I'm very thankful for, for, for all of you that have spent time. We've grown the, the audio and video audience on both sides so much over the last few months, not only through the NBA season, but really a ton here. Uh, through the NFL season, which, of course, here in Britain's world, just like the real NFL season, goes September through February. It is my favorite sport of the entire year, and there's nothing like sitting down Thanksgiving holidays discussing all things football with your family, and I consider all of you one of my family. So if you've been listening to me for a while, you already know that uh, we are in collaboration with the one and only Voltage Live all my social media links are, are in the description below. You know that at Tuesday nights at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, I do a podcast with Josh Unger with Voltage Live. It is titled Championship Rings. Go subscribe to that YouTube channel, which is also in the description below. But we're going to start it off here by talking about the dud that the Detroit Lions laid. And before I get to that, I want to apologize in advance because yesterday on Brands World, I gave you guys about a $10 parlay that it paid out would have made you $100 on FanDuel and only two of those five legs hit. And both of those were in the San Francisco game. So we were over with very early. But one of those were the Lions minus seven and a half. Now, again, those aren't going to go towards my best bed stats this year. They will go to my money line picks this year. Uh, I had the Lions winning over Green Bay. I saw what they did to them week four on Thursday Night Football. I know Jordan Love played well against the Chargers in week 11. I chopped that up to more of Brandon Staley's defense. Uh, but the turnovers of the Lions, once again, uncharacteristic turnovers. And this is what the Lions have seemingly done every single year for my entire life. Uh, the Lions have won usually on Thanksgiving because they're so bad. You know, it's a one game a year that they play really well. But every time you want to just think the Lions are right there, they take a step back. And over the last two weeks, you know, they have played uh, Chicago and Green Bay back-to-back, -back, both games at home, and they arguably should have lost both. And after what we've seen out of Philadelphia on Monday night in Kansas City, and after what we saw out of Dallas and San Francisco yesterday, I think the Lions now are sort of where we put them at the beginning of the year. You know, I think we all try to eye up the Lions. 
We take we took a look at that offensive line. We took a look at how well Jared Goff is playing. You take a look at those weapons that they have. My concern for them was outside of Aiden Hutchinson, can they get a pass rush? And their secondary, which is playing really well at the beginning of the season, has not played, you know, really good at all, really over the last month. Uh, and Jordan Love now, this is back-to-back games. You know, was I too critical on Jordan Love early, potentially? Uh, I still don't see a lot of wow. I still don't see a lot of special with Jordan Love. I see him more as a guy. But nonetheless, a Packers team that was, you know, three and six and essentially buried. And, you know, I had people in the comments section here on Brand's World telling me Green Bay should take a look at Sean Clifford. And boom, they come out. They win two games in a row. Credit to Rashawn Gary, who had a huge game. And the Lions offensive line, which I would say right next to Philadelphia, is the best in football. Uh, just got demolished yesterday. And the Packers came ready to play. And the Lions with Dan Campbell, surprisingly, did not. Uh, and then Washington. Yeah, they showed up in the first half. But that second half was a demolition of course, followed by the pick six by Deron Bland, a perfect call by Jim Nance. That's five pick sixes now in one season in NFL history, which is just insane. That went a, you know, essentially a 28 nothing run within the span of nine minutes. Dallas blowing out the commanders 45 to 10. Just an absolute beatdown in the second half. And I said going into the game, I thought Washington was going to play them well in the first half. They did. Sam Howard, a pretty decent first half. My concern was going in that Washington's offensive line was not going to be able to block Dallas's defensive line. That was the case in the second half. Michael Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, all those guys got in on Sam Howell. I thought they got away from the run game a little bit too early. I thought Eric Bieniemy got a little bit too cute in his play calling. The fact of the matter is Washington is 4-8, but they're 0-5 in the division, and that's why Ron Rivera will not be the head coach of the Washington Commanders or whatever they will be called next year with the new ownership. Now, Dallas, again, we keep talking about it now. That's 13 straight home games. It's another blowout. They've worn out every single opponent they played this year at home by at least 20 points. They get Seattle next week. Seattle looks like they're falling apart. I'm sorry. I got two Seahawks fans that are new recent subscribers to the Brands World YouTube channel. I know you guys love your Seahawks, but I know you both see the same thing about Geno Smith, and that is Geno Smith is not the answer. Uh, now, Geno played better in the second half. I thought in the first half, Seattle might have gone to Drew Locke. Uh, because that did not look pretty. You know, Geno Smith did not look healthy. Him and DK Metcalf were having conversations on the sideline. And I don't make too much about that. You know, wide receivers are the biggest divas in the National Football League. Uh, but I think DK was just so frustrated because of how bad the offense was playing. And you need offense against the San Francisco 49ers. And as I said, uh, Seattle does not match up well against San Francisco. I thought just because it was a divisional game, you know, Seattle would keep it close. Why I didn't go with a seven-point line. Uh, but San Francisco, again, demolished them 31-13. to Brock already played really well. Best throw of the night, really, to Brandon IU. I uh, sealed that game when it looked like Seattle off the pick six, you know, had a chance to get back in the ball game. They were 24 to 10 in the red zone. Geno Smith takes a couple of disastrous sacks. They have to settle for a field goal. And against San Francisco, if you do that, you're going to lose the game. Uh, my NFC hierarchy right now is Philadelphia, San Francisco, Dallas, Detroit. 
I'll be honest, I think that right now that is inarguable. Uh, AFC, we can certainly have some conversations, but I think that's the hierarchy in the NFC. We saw all, you know, the two, three, and four best teams in the NFC yesterday, San Francisco, Dallas, and then Detroit. Again, Detroit weighing the the early egg, just put a damper, I think, on everybody in Thanksgiving. And even though the Lions came back and made it a seven-point game, uh, it really did not feel close. You know, Green Bay really dominated from the opening kickoff. Uh, this may have been the worst Thanksgiving slate in NFL history. Did not look like it. You know, I thought Washington would give Dallas a game. You would think Seattle could give San Francisco a game. I think we all kind of thought Detroit would take the floor with Green Bay, and it was the complete opposite. So now we get into the Black Friday contest, and obviously the Dolphins are going to beat the Jets. Uh, the question is going to be if Miami covers. Now, Miami, outside in the cold New York, my understanding is it's going to be about 30 to 35 degrees today. Uh, I'm not sure Miami can cover. I'm not going to put them in my best bets. It probably is a best bet at 9.5 because I'm not even sure the Jets can score a touchdown. But the NFL is weird. It's a divisional game. And even with Zach Wilson, who's played horrible this year, We've seen the Jets take Kansas City down to the wire. We've seen them beat Buffalo. We've seen them beat Philadelphia. Uh, it seems like the Jets play well against the good teams. And Miami now on a short week. I'm interested to see against these corners of, of, of the Jets. You know, Sauce, Gardner, uh, and crew. If they go more towards the, the running game here with Ricky Moster, Or if they can get Jalen Waddle. A little more going because Jalen Waddle has not had a great year. Tyreek Hill has been taking over the Miami offense essentially by storm. Let's see if the Dolphins can get other pieces in here. Let's see if they can prove that they can finally beat a good defense because they barely beat the Raiders last week, which gives me concern. I know again, he's decent. Uh, he's an upgrade over Tim Boyle. I mean, I just don't know how the Jets are going to move the football here. But I just like Miami to win. Again, I wouldn't be surprised if it's close. I also wouldn't be surprised if the Jets' defense keeps them in this game. But I just don't see a way that they can win the football game. Then we get what is, in my opinion, the number one pick bowl. The New England Patriots are going to the New York Giants. Uh, they are favored by three and a half. If you bet this game, then you just don't like your life because uh, I have no idea how this game's going to go. I'm going to assume Bill Belichick is going to rattle Tommy DeVito. I'm going to assume New England can't cover the three and a half. Again, I just can't trust him because I think Bill Belichick can rattle a quarterback this year. You know, uh, the Sam Owls of the world, he hasn't really done that. The one game that I did think that they could cover was the Zach Wilson Jets game. And again, they barely did that. And DeVito did put up 31 points last week against the Commanders. So, you know, who knows? Um, again, I think the Bears are going to end up winning more games this season. I think Carolina is going to end up winning a game or two. I think potentially the loser of this game could lose out the rest of the way and get the number one pick. I think that this will be the number one versus the number two pick in the draft. Again, I think Carolina could rise up to two or three, which would give the Bears a chance to go get Marvin Harrison Jr. with both of these two teams need. But Chicago, you know, depending on how you feel about Justin Fields, maybe they need a quarterback, maybe they don't. I think it depends on where they draft these two teams. Both definitely need a quarterback. Uh, Mac Jones is not the answer for the Patriots. And we all know Daniel Jones is not the answer for, for, for the Giants. 
Again, I think Belichick does enough to rattle Tommy DeVito. I'll take New England in the money line. Now, I have a lot of fans in Cleveland. You guys don't know, I'm based out, out of Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, so a lot of my family's ragging on me, man. They're asking me why I take the Steelers, why I best bet the Steelers every single week. Well, this would be the perfect week to bet them, but for your Thanksgiving treat, I'm not going to do that. Uh, they're only favored by one and a half against Jake Browning and the Bengals. I said on Tuesday's show after I talked about the Joe Burrow injury, I feel like Cincinnati could lose out. Um, I know they have talent, obviously, offensively, uh, and their defense you know, is so talented even though they're losing pieces. But I just don't know how Jake Browning is going to be able to win football games. Uh, Jake Browning may be in the Tommy DeVito, Zach Wilson category. And again, you're going up against one of the best defenses in the NFL. And Pittsburgh did fire their offensive coordinator, Matt Canada. We'll see how any picket looks different. Usually your first game, you get a sort of boost. Uh, new head coach, new play caller. We've seen that from Buffalo this past week with Joe Brady. We saw it with Vegas with Antonio Pierce. Um, I think this is a bad spot for Cincinnati, who, again, I think, you know, maybe in their best interest to lose out, get it up pick where you can go after, you know, another defensive player or potentially, you know, a receiver or a corner or a lineman or somebody to help out Cincinnati more on the defensive end to make more of an impact. I think the Steelers are going to make the playoffs essentially by default because their offense is not going to be good, but their defense is going to be so good. They're going to end up winning nine, 10 games. Again, I think that will make the playoffs, but in the vaunted AFC, I'm not 100% sure on that. So my first best bet of the weekend, I like Jacksonville. I think it's the best bet on the board this week. Minus one and a half at Houston. As you guys know, I am not the biggest believer in C.J. Stroud. Now, maybe it is a pride thing because when it comes to the NFL drought, I rarely and I mean, rarely miss on who's going to be a stud quarterback, who's going to be an okay quarterback, and who's going to be a complete bust. Uh, I like Bryce Young. I thought he was the best quarterback coming out of the draft. My second highest rated quarterback was Anthony Richardson for the Colts. I still think I'm going to be right on that. And the number three was C.J. Stroud, who I just did not see any juice at Ohio State. I thought he was going to be a very good quarterback. I did not think he was going to be a great quarterback. By the way, I still think C.J. Stroud is a very good quarterback. I don't see special in him yet. Yes, Nico Collins is having a career year. Yes, Tank Dell is person on the scene as a rookie. Yes, Dalton Schultz has been good. And I predicted all this. Again, I thought Houston would win, you know, between seven to eight games this year. So, yes, they're six and four. They're a little bit of a surprise, but they're not a great team. Their defense still gets them a lot of yards. C.J. Stroud's been throwing a lot of interceptions lately. And I think Jacksonville kind of woke up after they got blown out to San Francisco in Week 10. They demolished the Titans last week. I'm not going to say it's a demolish. My buddy Josh Younger over at Championship Rings says there's no way Jacksonville wins by a touchdown. I think they do win by a touchdown here. I love the line at minus one and a half. It's essentially a pick em. I think the Jags are the better team. I think Houston is a year away. I think Jacksonville shows that this is their division. As Doug Peterson's teams usually take off here uh, in November, December. And then... Carolina at Tennessee. Now, the Titans I don't love. You know that. But this week, I like them in this spot. Minus four, I think they can cover against Carolina, whose run defense is not very good. Again, I think Carolina will find a way to win a game against Atlanta or a Tampa, maybe. 
in their own division. But I think they have trouble here stop, stopping Derrick Henry. I think DeAndre Hopkins can even get back on track for the Titans. I think they cover the four. I got Tennessee here in a best bet. It is also, by the way, my survivor pick this week is Tennessee over Carolina. I was thinking Miami over the Jets, but I'm thinking I'm going to save Miami here. They play Tennessee in a couple of weeks, and that's where I think I'm going to use Miami uh, in the survivor pool. So I'm looking at schedules more and more there, and I like Tennessee here in this spot against Carolina because I don't think there's a guaranteed Tennessee win the rest of the way. That doesn't mean, obviously, they won't win games. Then I also like Indianapolis. I'm going all AFC here early on, all AFC South more specifically. I like Indy. Coming off a bye at minus two and a half. I like the way that Gardner Minshew has been playing recently under Shane Steichen. I like the way that Colts move the ball. I think Steichen is going to be prepared for this odd Bulls blitzing defense. And Baker Mayfield may have a good game against Tampa. And he's been playing better as a way. They went to that shootout against Houston a couple weeks ago. I think it's a very similar game. It's back and forth. It's going to be who had the ball last. At home, I get the offensive coach as well an advantage. Your Steichen offensive coach, Todd Bowles defensive coach. I think Steichen's gotten everything he could out of Gardner Minshew. I like the Colts here, and I like the number at two and a half. Now, this next game, the NFC South. Uh, we already talked about Tampa, who, again, if they beat Indy, they're going to still be in the mix in the NFC South. It's a big game for them. We already talked about Carolina, who I thought going into the year was going to be way better. Uh, I did not know, you know, how this uh, divisional or how this division, excuse me, was going to pay out. This was the one division that I don't think we had any idea of who was going to win. And it's going to come down to a very bad Saints offense against Arthur Smith's coaching in the Atlanta Falcons. And if you have B. John Robinson on your fantasy team, he went top five in most drafts, and Arthur Smith has just refused to use him. They're using B. John Robinson, Cordero Patterson, Ira Algier. I mean, I say it every week. They're barely getting the ball to Drake one, and they're barely getting the ball to Kyle Pitts. They are going back to Desmond Ritter. But Atlanta's one of those teams that when you think they're not going to win, they win. When you think they're going to win, they lose. Uh, I don't trust the Saints. I still don't trust Derek R. I think he's had a very mediocre year in New Orleans. I think Dennis Allen's more rigid defensive culture may cause Atlanta some problems. Uh, but I don't think the Saints are going to be able to move the ball against the Falcons. I think the Falcons actually match up well against the Saints because they're at home. I think both these teams split their meetings this year. They'll both win in their home places. Atlanta wins the game here. Then the Rams at the Cardinals. And this is a trickier game than I think most people would expect because of the Kyler Murray factor. Arizona almost went into Houston last week and won. Now, the Rams barely did beat Seattle. Uh, but the Rams do match up well against Seattle. They also beat Arizona in week six. They match up well against the Cardinals. That's why I'll take the Rams here. I think between Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, Stafford, they have a little bit more talent than Arizona, who may play well in the first half. Uh, but at the end of the day, the Rams will take over the second half. I'm surprised they're only favored by one and a half here. Uh, but again, I, I think there's better games, more trustable games on the board. Kansas City at Vegas. Uh, with all the talk about Kansas City not being as good as they were last year, I wouldn't be surprised if the Chiefs come in here and they both roll the Raiders because they almost always, be, you know, both race 
uh, Vegas, but the Antonio Pierce factor here, where they covered against Miami, they've been playing very well. You know, maybe Aiden O'Connell makes enough plays. They stay in the game, they cover, which is why I don't trust the number here. But I think Kansas City comes out. Patrick Mahomes has a, has a really nice game. You know, maybe they get MVS involved early after everybody's banging on him uh, because of obviously the drop as on Monday Night Football against Philly. But in the end, I think Kansas City will only win the game. Then you got the Browns and Broncos. And if Cleveland fans, this is for you. I always say it. If there's one place in every building that is your out of order. For Cleveland, it's Denver. My esteemed partner over at Championship Ranks, Josh Unger, reminded me that they did win a game there in 2018 uh, with Greg Williams as, as the interim head coach. That sort of takes the sting out of it. It gives me confidence here to bet the Browns plus one and a half. I know Denver is hot. I know they've won four straight games, but believe it or not, as much people want to say it's about Russell Wilson, it's not about Russell Wilson. Yes, his stats are up there with, believe it or not, MVP-like stats, but that's because it's a very controlled offense. They're not throwing the football down the field outside of their one bomb a game to court when Sutton, which they've been hitting over the last couple of weeks. It is running the football with McLaughlin and Javante Williams. And more importantly, it is creating turnovers. And they have not turned the ball over. But when they create turnovers, they've been kicking a lot of field goals and not scoring a lot of touchdowns. The Browns' defense has obviously been very sound this year, taking apart bad offense and bad quarterbacks. I think Jim Schwartz comes up with a game plan here. I think it's one of the more low-scoring games of the weekend. Can Dorian Thompson Robinson make just enough plays like he did against Pittsburgh? Because that's it. The Browns are 7-3, and three, but they're winning in despite of their offensive play. They have an offensive coach, and they can barely move the ball. Uh, and some people including want to make Kevin Stefanski the coach of the year somehow, where I want him fired. I know. Tell me that doesn't make sense. That's, that's uh, Cleveland's... Uh, philosophy there for you. Uh, again, they're winning despite of their head coach. They are winning despite of their quarterback. Their defense is going to make just enough plays. I got the Browns here at plus one and a half. They go into Denver. They get the upset. Bills at Philly. Again, I mentioned a little bit earlier, Joe Brady, new offensive coordinator for Buffalo. Just a lot more simple game plan. Get the ball to Josh Allen's hands. Use James Cook more more calculated shots down the field as opposed to every play being a 50-yard bomb. In the end, I think Buffalo still one of these struggles to run the football, and Buffalo's offensive line is not great. I think Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, that Eagles pass rush won't make the difference in the game. Oh, like Dallas's pass rush against Washington. I don't think that Buffalo is going to be able to block Philadelphia up front. I think the Eagles will win this game. They're Kelly Green uniforms. I would expect them to win by at least a touchdown. I think there's better numbers on the board, so I'm not going to bet it because I think this will be a tricky game here. Philadelphia, Sandwich, Buffalo, in between Kansas City and San Francisco. Obviously the rematch of the Super Bowl and the NFC Championship game. I think that the Eagles passing game will struggle without Dallas Goddard. I think A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, We'll make just enough plays. I see this as, as another DeAndre Swift type game, who's obviously been fantastic in an Eagles uniform. Philly will win the game and improve to 10 and 1 on the season. Sunday night, this is going to be my last best bet. I like Baltimore over the Chargers. Listen, I bet the Chargers twice this year in games they should have won. Tennessee week two, Green Bay last week. They bit me in the ass. 
I don't trust Brandon Staley. I think Baltimore's defensive line was very good this year. I think they forced the Chargers into pressure. I think Brandon Staley melts down. Uh, now the Chargers have enough talent, obviously, in the offense side of the ball. And defensively, they they have going back. The loss of Joey Bosa will hurt. Uh, but Derwin James is still there to spy Lamar Jackson. But I think Baltimore just gets way too physical. They run the ball down the Chargers defensive front. The Chargers are not good. And Baltimore takes them apart. They cover by more than a field goal. Uh, they'll win by at least four. They cover the three and a half point spread. And then Chicago at Minnesota. This is a tricky game for me because Minnesota, along with Denver, even though they've been playing very hot, uh, and Josh Dobbs has played well. And, you know, it sounds like Justin Jefferson may be back, which could be a huge difference in this game. Minnesota is not exactly lighting the world on fire, and they almost blew that game to New Orleans a couple of weeks ago. On the flip side, Chicago's been playing well. Uh, obviously, they played well against the Lions last week. They blew the game at the end. I could see a very similar scenario here. In week 12, where Justin Fields plays well, maybe DJ Moore gets gets in the end zone, but Josh Dodds leads a game-winning drive in a very fascinating week 12 matchup between two NFC North rivals. We already get a shot with Green Bay over Detroit in the same division. I'm going to pick Minnesota here, but I'm telling you right now, don't be surprised if Chicago pulls off the upset on Monday Night Football. So my money line picks, I got I had Detroit over Green Bay. I had Dallas over Washington. I had San Francisco over Seattle. That puts us at two and one going into uh the rest of these week 12 games. I got Miami today over the Jets. Then this weekend, New England over the Giants, Pittsburgh over Cincinnati, Jacksonville over Houston, Tennessee over Carolina, Indy over Tampa, Atlanta over New Orleans, Rams over Arizona. Kansas City over Vegas, Cleveland over Denver, Philly over Buffalo, Baltimore over the Chargers, and then Minnesota over Chicago. Now, my five best bets for week 12 of the 2023 NFL season are Jacksonville minus one and a half at Houston, Tennessee minus four at home over Carolina, Indy at home covers the two and a half over Tampa, Cleveland goes on the road, my one dog of the week. At Denver, plus one and a half. And then Baltimore, Sunday night, cover the three and a half on the road against the Chargers. Saturday in Chicago. It is WWE Survivor Series War Games. The second edition of WWE Survivor Series War Games. And it is one of the most anticipated WWE events on the calendar year this year. For multiple reasons, and it does feel like Triple H and crew are trying to bring back the prestige of WWE's second longest-running premium live event, that being Survivor Series. I believe this show will kick off with the Women's War Games match, which of course features damage control, which now includes Asuka, Kyrie Zane. Uh, along with Bailey and the women's champion EO Sky. They will take on the team of Bianca Belair, Shotzi, Charlotte Flair, and Becky Lynch from the Monday Night Raw brand. Now, this bout all came about really starting at SummerSlam, of course, when Charlotte Flair, Bianca Belair, and uh, and I. Uh, Asuka, excuse me, for a second, I'm down for a second. Asuka, Bianca Belair, Charlotte Flair, 
did that triple threat match at SummerSlam for the Women's Championship. Then EO Sky catching the money in the bank. I almost said that EO Sky was in that match because then EO Sky, Charlotte Flair, and Bianca Belair, they did compete in a triple threat match for the Women's Championship that EO Sky did win. Uh, but now, obviously, Charlotte, Bianca, um, Shotzi now, who, of course, has been involved with Bayway for months and a few, they all want the revenge on damage control. And Becky went to the history with damage control going back to their uh, inception last year. So does Bianca Belair, obviously, who's been fighting with damage control from, from the beginning. And Charlotte just recently over the championship. Now, the addition to Asuka and Kyrie Singh, uh, in, in damage control has brought a little light to damage control. I know for a long time we thought that, you know, Bailey, EO, Dakota, they were all going to break up. I think they're saving it for when Dakota Kai is healthy. I think we're going to eventually get, you know, Dakota Kai, EO Sky, Bailey in a triple threat match more than likely at WrestleMania 40 between all three will then be former members of damage control. But for now, I think WWE needs to establish uh, damage control as credible heels. Last year, they lost in war games uh, to, to a team of, of Bianca Belair. Now, Asuka was on uh, Team Belair. This year, I think Asuka being on Team Damage Control makes the difference. Now, the team with the advantage in this match is going to be a fan vote, uh, which to me is a little bit of, of lazy booking by WWE, but I get that they have a sponsorship with Ruffles. You got to make your sponsors happy. Uh, and, you know, I like the men's match where the heels are going to get the war games advantage. I always think going into it that the heels, you know, the way that heels in wrestling work, the way their tactics go, I always think that that's how the war games advantage should go. The heels should basically get the advantage in uh, every single war games match, unless you're trying to get a surprise for the end, a lot like Roman Reigns last year inside of, of war games. So I did vote. Uh, for damage control to get the advantage again. I think it makes sense for their characters. Uh, I think that they will get the advantage, but again, with fan votes, who knows? Uh, it probably will go to the baby faces, but I do think damage control does pick up the victory here. Then we get Carlito trying to avenge the attack. The former LWO member, Santos Escobar, put on him and his friend Rey Mysterio after essentially Escobar cost Rey Mysterio the United States Championship to Logan Paul at Crown Jewel. But if you remember, Ray shouldn't even have been the United States champion in the first place. It was Santos Escobar that got that opportunity against Austin Theory. But an injury to Escobar allowed Ray Mysterio to substitute himself in for Escobar. And ever since that moment, they've been building in this turn. Escobar being jealous of, of Ray Mysterio. Ray Mysterio essentially taking the Legato Del Fantasma group away from Santos Escobar and reviving the LWO. Well, now we're going to get basically two factions eventually going at it where Santos Escobar will reform Legato Del Fantasma, whether that's with uh, Cruz and Del Toro. We don't know whether that's with, you know, Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo. We don't know. It sounds like Carlito is going to be on Rey Mysterio's side eventually. But Carlito and Santos Escobar have been at odds since Carlito made his return to WWE, not only in Backlash in May, but when he made that appearance uh, at Fastlane back in October. So 
I think that Santos Escobar is going to win this match. It could be by disqualification. They get the win to Carlito. But I think Escobar absolutely brutalizes Car Carlito here. And it sets up Escobar well for his very good heel run that I think we're about to have. Santos really never got over as a legit face. He was a lot better as a heel, in my opinion. Uh, and that heel promo he cut where basically uh, he said a lot of bad words to Carlito in Spanish that I cannot repeat. And then the, he hoped that Rey Mysterio's leg uh, was going to be amputated. That was a great heel promo by Santos Escobar. And I'm excited to see where they take the character. Now, this next match I'm really excited for. That's The Miz going for his ninth tying Intercontinental Championship reign. That would again tie him with Chris Jericho for the most Intercontinental Championship race of all time. But he's taking on a man that does not celebrate Thanksgiving. A man that does not celebrate the holidays. The man that actually believes that wrestling is a sport. The man that trains 365 days a year to retain the Intercontinental Championship. That being, obviously, the ring general Gunther. And man, when has Gunther ever had a bad match? And when you get a motivated Miz, who I think Miz, he can play a face. Though not as well as a heel, but he can do it. He can play a heel. He, he can play a, a, you know, comedy character. He can play a serious character. Uh, Miz can do so many different things in a wrestling ring. When the spotlight is on him, when he is invested in a few, Miz is still one of the best mid-carders out there. And this is a great story because Gunther has brought prestige back to the Intercontinental Championship. That has not been with the championship since the Miz's days of holding it, arguably in 2016 through 2018. The Miz has always been synonymous with the Intercontinental Championship. Now, I don't think Miz is going to win the championship here, but I think him and Gunther are going to have a hell of a match. I think these boys, along with the War Games matches, could steal the show at Survivor Series. Then we get Zoe Starks, who after winning a battle royal, after just coming up short at Crown Jewel in that fatal five-way match, she gets Mommy Rhea Ripley for the Women's World Championship one-on-one, -on -one. and Zoe Starks has really had a good transformation. You know, over the last few months and stepping away from Trish Stratus, in my opinion, at least, she's really done a good job of breaking out on, on her own. Her promo work has gotten better. Her in-ring work has gotten better. And I like this face dynamic that they kind of have. It's a little bit of a tweener with her and Shayna Baszler, where she doesn't care what the fans think, but they're cheering for her because her personality is starting to come out more. But she just wants to kick some ass. And the story here is Rhea Ripley is so distracted by Judgment Day business, she's not keeping an eye on Zoe Starch, which I think makes incredible sense. It makes Zoe Starch look like a dangerous character. I think Zoe Starch is going to hit a Z-Force, which she hit on Rhea Ripley at Crown Jewel, but this time Rhea Ripley will kick out, uh, and then Rhea Ripley will end up hitting the Riptide for the victory And what I think will be a very underrated match. You know, I think that these guys, um, you know, uh, have very good chemistry in the ring, and they will make it work at Survivor Series on Saturday. Then we get to the main event of the show, which is, of course, the Men's War Games match. Team Cody Rhodes, Cody Rhodes, Seth Rollins, Sami Zayn, Jey Uso, the I Lost to Roman Reigns Club, will team with the Viper, the returning the man that hears voices in his head, Randy. 
against the Judgment Day and Drew McIntyre. Who I really love Drew McIntyre's heel promo this as we got Raw that Vendetta against Jey Uso that he's at since Jey Uso's family caused Drew McIntyre a moment to celebrate with his family at Clash of the Castle in 2022 when McIntyre was this close to winning the Undisputed Championship from Roman Reigns, arguably the closest anybody has came to dethroning Roman Reigns if it wasn't for Solo Sokoa. I think the whole story makes sense. I don't think Drew McIntyre is going to end up joining the Judgment Day in the long run, but I think McIntyre as a heel here, going after Jey Uso, which I'm assuming the feud will continue, as McIntyre just laid waste to Jey Uso in that War Games Advantage match, even winning the match with his old finisher, the Future Shock DDT. I really like a heel Drew McIntyre. I thought his babyface persona was getting a little bit stale. Maybe they get rid of that sword. McIntyre becomes the ass kicker that he was brought in with Dolph Ziggler in 2018 when he returned to WWE with. And McIntyre just becomes a legitimate badass again and potentially gets himself another match with Seth Rollins in the World Heavyweight Championship. Speaking of the World of a Championship, there's money in the bank implications here. I don't think the Judgment Day is going to cash in. There's so many stories in regards to this match. Obviously, the Judgment Day, they want to get rid of Sami Zayn. They want to get rid of Jey Uso. They want to get rid of Seth Rollins, who's had interactions with almost every single member of the Judgment Day. The new Cody Rhodes is trying to help his friend Jey Uso. Jey Uso has friends in Sami Zayn and the wild card and all, and all of it is obviously Cody Rhodes' friend, the Viper Randy Orton. But Randy Orton was taken out by Jey Uso in May of 2022. We have not seen the Viper in 18 months. How does he react to seeing Jey Uso now on that side and not with the bloodline? Has he been watching from afar? Does he respect Jey? All of that story will come into play. In the end... And I would not do this because I think Randy Orton needs to go on a big baby face run. I want to see Randy Orton eventually take on Roman Reigns for the Undisputed Championship. But at the end of the day, I think it's very possible that Judgment Day wins this match because Randy Orton will turn on Cody Rhodes. And we get that feud that make ultimate at the Royal Rumble when Cody Rhodes potentially goes on to face Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 40. I think we are getting a face Cody Rhodes versus a heel Randy Orton. Again, I would not do it. I would wait. Uh, but it is in Randy Orton's character here. And I think if the Judgment Day and Drew McIntyre win this match, it will make the Judgment Day even stronger heels going forward as they try to build credibility. Or who knows? Maybe Randy Orton jumps right into a world championship program with Seth Rollins. Maybe he turns on Rollins with an RKO, and we get that program going into the Royal Rumble season. As a bonus prediction, will CM Punk show up? That's the biggest question. Obviously, it's in Chicago. We know it's what went on with him and AEW backstage when you're in Rumblings. He was in Archer or the WWE. We've been hearing Rumblings. WWE is not interested. I'm on the record. This may be heart over matter here, but I do think maybe CM Punk, you know, returns from a Shinsuke Nakamura call out, if you will. Uh, and CM Punk will be at Survivor Series in Chicago. So to recap, I do think Damage Control wins the Women's War Games match. Santos Escobar will defeat Carlito Gunther 
in this sport that he loves, retains the Intercontinental Championship against The Miz. Rio Ripley retains the Women's World Championship against Zoe Starks. Judgment Day and Drew McIntyre win the men's war game match when Randy Orton turns on somebody. I don't know if it's Cody Rhodes. Don't know if it's Seth Rollins yet. Uh, as well as I do think CM Punk, Chick Magnet Punk, Pepsi Phil Punk shows up at Survivor Series. And that'll do it for this Friday edition of Brands Wolf. Thank you guys so much for listening to my recap of all the Thanksgiving NFL action. My week 12 bets, bets, and money line predictions. Plus my Survivor Series thoughts. When we come back on Tuesday. I will recap everything that happened in the big week of college football. Iowa State, Michigan, Alabama, Auburn. Who should be the final four in that playoff? Plus all of the week 12 NFL action and Survivor Series. I hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving. Hope you have a great Black Friday. We'll see you on Tuesday. And peace.